The Autobiography of Goethe, Volume 1, by Johann von Goethe, translated by John Oxenford, Section 20. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Autobiography of Goethe, Volume 1, by Johann von Goethe, translated by John Oxenford, Section 20. Sixth Book, Part Two. Wherever I looked, I saw a picture, and whatever struck me, whatever gave me delight, I wished to fix, and began in the most awkward manner to draw after nature. To this end, I lacked nothing less than everything. Yet, though without any technical means, I obstinately persisted in trying to imitate the most magnificent things that offered themselves to my sight. Thus, to be sure, I acquired the faculty of paying a great attention to objects, but I only seized them as a whole, so far as they produced an effect, and little as nature had meant me for a descriptive poet, just as little would she grant me the capacity of a draughtsman for details. This, however, being the only way left me of uttering my thoughts, I stuck to it with so much stubbornness, nay, even with melancholy, that I always continued my labours the more zealously, the less I saw they produced. But I will not deny that there was a certain mixture of roguery, for I had remarked that if I chose for an irksome study a half-shaded old trunk to the hugely curved roots of which hung well-lit fern combined with twinkling maidenhair, my friend, who knew from experience that I should not be disengaged in less than an hour, commonly resolved to seek with his books some other pleasant little spot. Now nothing disturbed me in prosecuting my taste, which was so much the more active as my paper was endeared to me by the circumstance that I had accustomed myself to see in it not so much what stood upon it as what I had been thinking of at any time and hour when I drew thus plants and flowers of the commonest kind may form a charming diary for us because nothing that calls back the remembrance of a happy moment can be insignificant and even now it would be hard for me to destroy as worthless many things of the kind that have remained to me from different epochs because they transport me immediately to those times which i like to remember though not without melancholy. But if such drawings may have had anything of interest in themselves, they were indebted for this advantage to the sympathy and attention of my father. He, informed by my overseer that I had become gradually reconciled to my condition, and in particular had applied myself passionately to drawing from nature, was very well satisfied partly because he himself set a high value on drawing and painting, partly because gossip Zeykatz had once said to him that it was a pity 
I was not destined for a painter. But here again the peculiarities of father and son came into conflict, for it was almost impossible for me to make use of a good, white, perfectly clean sheet of paper. Grey old leaves, even if scribbled over on one side already, charmed me most, just as if my awkwardness had feared the touchstone of a white ground. Nor were any of my drawings quite finished. And how should I have executed a whole, which indeed I saw with my eyes, but did not comprehend, and how an individual object, which I had neither skill nor patience to follow out. My father's mode of training me in this respect was really to be admired. He kindly asked for my attempts, and drew lines round every imperfect sketch. He wished by this means to compel me to completeness and fullness of detail. The irregular leaves he cut straight, and thus made the beginning of a collection in which he wished at some future time to rejoice at the progress of his son. It was therefore by no means disagreeable to him when my wild, restless disposition sent me roving about the country. He rather seemed pleased when I brought back a parcel of drawings on which he could exercise his patience and in some measure strengthen his hopes. They no longer said that I might relapse into my former attachments and connections. They left me, by degrees, perfect liberty. By accidental inducements and in accidental society, I undertook many journeys to the mountain range which, from my childhood, had stood so distant and solemn before me. Thus we visited Homburg, Kronoburg, ascended the Feldberg, from which the prospect invited us still farther and farther into the distance. Königstein, too, was not left unvisited. Wiesbaden, Schwalbach, with its environs, occupied us many days. We reached the Rhine, which from the heights we had seen winding along far off. Mentz astonished us. We could not chain a youthful mind which was running into the open country. We were delighted with the situation of Biberich, and, contented and happy, we resumed our journey home. This whole tour, from which my father had promised himself many a drawing, might have been almost without fruit, for what taste? what talent what experience does it not require to seize an extensive landscape as a picture i was again imperceptibly drawn into a narrow compass from which i derived some profit for i met no ruined castle no piece of wall which pointed to antiquity that i did not think an object worthy of my pencil and imitate as well as i could even the stone of drusus on the ramparts of mentz I copied at some risk and with inconveniences which every one must experience who wishes to carry home with him some pictorial reminiscences of his travels. Unfortunately, I had again brought with me nothing but the most miserable common paper, and had clumsily crowded several objects into one sheet. 
but my paternal teacher was not perplexed at this he cut the sheets apart had the parts which belonged to each other put together by the bookbinder surrounded the single leaves with lines and thus actually compelled me to draw the outline of different mountains up to the margin and to fill up the foreground with some weeds and stones if his faithful endeavours could not increase my talent nevertheless this mark of his love of order had upon me a secret influence which afterwards manifested itself vigorously in more ways than one from such rambling excursions undertaken partly for pleasure partly for art and which could be performed in a short time and often repeated i was again drawn home and that by a magnet which always acted upon me strongly this was my sister she only a year younger than i had lived the whole conscious period of my life with me and was thus bound to me by the closest ties to these natural causes was added a forcible motive which proceeded from our domestic position a father certainly affectionate and well-meaning but grave who because he cherished within a very tender heart externally with incredible consistency maintained a brazen sternness that he might attain the end of giving his children the best education and of building up regulating and preserving his well-founded house a mother on the other hand as yet almost a child who first grew up to consciousness with and in her two eldest children these three as they looked at the world with healthy eyes capable of life and desiring present enjoyment this contradiction floating in the family increased with years my father followed out his views unshaken and uninterrupted the mother and children could not give up their feelings their claims their wishes under these circumstances it was natural that brother and sister should attach themselves close to each other and adhere to their mother that they might singly snatch the pleasures forbidden as a whole but since the hours of solitude and toil were very long compared with the moments of recreation and enjoyment especially for my sister who could never leave the house for so long a time as i could the necessity she felt for entertaining herself with me was still sharpened by the sense of longing with which she accompanied me to a distance and as in our first years playing and learning gross and education had been quite common to both of us so that we might well have been taken for twins so did this community this confidence remain during the development of our physical and moral powers that interest of youth that amazement at the awaking of sensual impulses which clothed themselves in mental forms of mental necessities which clothed themselves in sensual images all the reflections upon these which obscure rather than enlighten us as the fog 
covers over and does not illumine the veil from which it is about to rise the many errors and aberrations springing therefrom all these the brother and sister shared and endured hand in hand and were the less enlightened as to their strange condition as the nearer they wished to approach each other to clear up their minds the more forcibly did the sacred awe of their close relationship keep them apart reluctantly do i mention in a general way what i undertook to set forth years ago without being able to accomplish it as i lost this beloved incomprehensible being but too soon i felt inducement enough to make her worth present to me and thus arose in me the conception of a poetic whole in which it might be possible to exhibit her individuality but for this no other form could be devised than that of the richardsonian novels only by the minutest detail by endless particularities which bear vividly all the characters of the whole and as they spring up from a wonderful depth give some feeling of that depth only in such a manner would it have been in some degree possible to give a representation of this remarkable personality for the spring can be apprehended only while it is flowing but from this beautiful and pious design as from so many others the tumult of the world drew me away and nothing now remains for me but to call up for a moment that blessed spirit as if by the aid of a magic mirror she was tall well and delicately formed and had something naturally dignified in her demeanour which melted away into a pleasing mildness the lineaments of her face neither striking nor beautiful indicated a character which was not nor ever could be in union with itself her eyes were not the finest i have ever seen but the deepest behind which you expected the most and when they expressed any affection any love their brilliancy was unequalled and yet properly speaking this expression was not tender like that which comes from the heart and at the same time carries with it something of longing and desire this expression came from the soul it was full and rich it seemed as if it would only give without needing to receive but what in a manner quite peculiar disfigured her face so that she would often appear positively ugly was the fashion of those times which not only bared the forehead but either accidentally or on purpose did everything apparently or really to enlarge it now as she had the most feminine most perfect arched forehead and moreover a pair of strong black eyebrows and prominent eyes these circumstances occasioned a contrast which if it did not repel every stranger at the first glance at least did not attract him she early felt it and this feeling became constantly the more painful to her the farther she advanced into the years when both sexes find an innocent pleasure in being mutually agreeable 
to nobody can his own form be repugnant the ugliest as well as the most beautiful has a right to enjoy his own presence and as favour beautifies and every one regards himself in the looking-glass with favour it may be asserted that every one must see himself with complacency even if he would struggle against the feeling yet my sister had such a decided foundation of good sense that she could not possibly be blind and silly in this respect on the contrary she perhaps knew more clearly than she ought that she stood far behind her female playfellows in external beauty without feeling consoled by the fact that she infinitely surpassed them in internal advantages if a woman can find compensation for the want of beauty she richly found it in the unbounded confidence the regard and love which all her female friends bore to her whether they were older or younger all cherished the same sentiments a very pleasant society had collected around her young men were not wanting who knew how to insinuate themselves nearly every girl found an admirer she alone had remained without a partner while indeed her exterior was in some measure repulsive the mind that gleamed through it was also more repelling than attractive for the presence of any excellence throws others back upon themselves she felt this sensibly she did not conceal it from me and her love was directed to me with so much the greater force the case was singular enough as confidants to whom one reveals a love affair actually by genuine sympathy become lovers also nay grow into rivals and at last perchance transfer the passion to themselves so it was with us too for when my connection with gretchen was torn asunder my sister consoled me the more earnestly because she secretly felt the satisfaction of having gotten rid of a rival and i too could not but feel a quiet half mischievous pleasure when she did me the justice to assure me that i was the only one who truly loved understood and esteemed her if now from time to time my grief for the loss of gretchen revived and i suddenly began to weep to lament and to act in a disorderly manner my despair for my lost one awakened in her likewise a similar despairing impatience as to the never possessings the failures and miscarriages of such useful attachments that we both thought ourselves infinitely unhappy and the more so as in this singular case the confidants could not change themselves into lovers fortunately however the capricious god of love who needlessly does so much mischief here for once interfered beneficially to extricate us out of all perplexity i had much intercourse with a young englishman who was educated at files boarding school he could give a good account of his own language i practised it with him and thus learned much concerning his country and people he went in and out of our house long enough without my remarking in him a liking for my sister 
yet he may have been nourishing it in secret even to passion for at last it declared itself unexpectedly and at once she knew him she esteemed him and he deserved it she had often made the third at our english conversations we had both tried to catch from his mouth the irregularities of the english pronunciation and thereby accustomed ourselves not only to the peculiarities of its accent and sound but even to what was most peculiar in the personal qualities of our teacher so that at last it sounded strangely enough when we all seemed to speak as if out of one mouth the pains he took to learn as much german from us in the like manner were to no purpose and i think i have remarked that even this little love affair was also both orally and in writing carried on in the english language both the young persons were very well suited to each other he was tall and well built as she was only still more slender his face small and compact might really have been pretty had it not been too much disfigured by the smallpox his manner was calm precise one might often have called it dry and cold but his heart was full of kindness and love his soul full of generosity and his attachments as lasting as they were decided and controlled now this serious pair who had but lately formed an attachment were quite peculiarly distinguished among the others who being already better acquainted with each other of more frivolous character and careless as to the future roved about with levity in these connections which commonly pass away as the mere fruitless prelude to subsequent and more serious ties and very seldom produce a lasting effect upon life the fine weather and the beautiful country did not remain unenjoyed by so lively a company water excursions were frequently arranged because these are the most sociable of all parties of pleasure yet whether we were going by water or by land the individual attracting powers immediately showed themselves each couple kept together and for some men who were not engaged of whom i was one there remained either no conversation with the ladies at all or only such as no one would have chosen for a day of pleasure a friend who found himself in this situation and who might have been in want of a partner chiefly for this reason that with the best humour he lacked tenderness and with much intelligence that delicate attention without which connections of this kind are not to be thought of this man after often humorously and wittily lamenting his condition promised at the next meeting to make a proposal which would benefit himself and the whole company nor did he fail to perform his promise for when after a brilliant trip by water and a very pleasant walk reclining on the grass between shady knolls or sitting on mossy rocks and roots of trees we had cheerfully and happily consumed a rural meal and our friend saw us all cheerful and in good spirits he with a waggish dignity commanded us to sit close round him in a semicircle before which he stepped and began to make an emphatic peroration as follows most worthy friends of both sexes paired 
and unpaired it was already evident from this address how necessary it was that a preacher of repentance should arise and sharpen the conscience of the company one part of my noble friends is paired and they may find themselves quite happy another unpaired and these find themselves in the highest degree miserable as i can assure you from my own experience and though the loving couples are here in the majority yet i would have them consider whether it is not a social duty to take thought for the whole why do we wish to assemble in such numbers except to take a mutual interest in each other and how can that be done when so many little secessions are to be seen in our circle far be it from me to insinuate anything against such sweet connections or even to wish to disturb them but there is a time for all things an excellent great saying of which indeed nobody thinks when his own amusement is sufficiently provided for he then went on with constantly increasing liveliness and gaiety to compare the social virtues with the tender sentiments the latter said he can never fail us we always carry them about with us and every one becomes a master in them without practice but we must go in quest of the former we must take some trouble about them and though we progress in them as much as we will we have never done learning them now he went into particulars many felt hit off and they could not help casting glances at each other yet our friend had this privilege that nothing he did was taken ill and so he could proceed without interruption it is not enough to discover deficiencies indeed it is unjust to do so if at the same time one cannot contrive to give the means for bettering the state of affairs i will not therefore my friends something like a preacher in passion week exhort you in general terms to repentance and amendment i rather wish all amiable couples the longest and most enduring happiness and to contribute to it myself in the surest manner i propose to sever and abolish these most charming little segregations during our social hours i have he continued already provided for the execution of my project if it should meet with your approbation here is a bag in which are the names of the gentlemen now draw my fair ones and be pleased to favour as your servant for a week him whom fate shall send you this is binding only within our circle as soon as that is broken up these connections are also abolished and the heart may decide who shall attend you home a great part of the company had been delighted with this address and the manner in which he delivered it and seemed to approve of the notion yet some couples looked at each other as if they thought that it would not answer their purpose he therefore cried with humorous vehemence truly it surprises me that someone does not spring up and though others hesitate extol my plan explain its advantages and 
spare me the pain of being my own encomiast i am the oldest among you may god forgive me for that already i have a bald pate which is owing to my great meditation here he took off his hat but i should expose it to view with joy and honour if my lucubrations which dry up my skin and rob me of my finest adornment could only be in some measure beneficial to myself and others we are young my friends that is good we shall grow older that is bad we take little offence at each other that is right and in accordance with the season but soon my friends the days will come when we shall have much to be displeased at in ourselves then let every one see that he makes all right with himself but at the same time others will take things ill of us and on what account we shall not understand for this we must prepare ourselves this shall now be done he had delivered the whole speech but especially the last part with the tone and gesture of a capuchin for as he was a catholic he might have had abundant opportunity to study the oratory of these fathers he now appeared out of breath wiped his youthful bald head which really gave him the look of a priest and by these drolleries put the light-hearted company in such good humour that every one was eager to hear him longer but instead of proceeding he drew open the bag and turned to the nearest lady now for a trial of it exclaimed he the work will do credit to the master if in a week's time we do not like it we will give it up and stick to the old plan half willingly half on compulsion the ladies drew their tickets and it was easy to see that various passions were in play during this little affair fortunately it happened that the merry-minded were separated while the more serious remained together and so too my sister kept her englishman which on both sides they took very kindly of the god of love and luck the new chance couples were immediately united by the antistes the healths were drank and to all the more joy was wished as its duration was to be but short this was certainly the merriest moment that our company had enjoyed for a long time the young men to whose share no lady had fallen held for this week the office of providing for the mind the soul and the body as our orator expressed himself but especially he hinted for the soul since both the others already knew how to help themselves these masters of ceremonies who wished at once to do themselves credit brought into place some very pretty new games prepared at some distance a supper which we had not reckoned on and illuminated the yacht on our return at night although there was no necessity for it in the bright moonlight but they excused themselves by saying that it was quite conformable to the new social regulation to outshine the tender glances of the heavenly moon by earthly candles the moment we touched the shore our solon cried ite missa est 
each one now handed out of the vessel a lady who had fallen to him by lot and then surrendered her to her proper partner on receiving his own in exchange at our next meeting this weekly regulation was established for the summer and the lots were drawn once more there was no question but that this pleasantry gave a new and unexpected turn to the company and every one was stimulated to display whatever of wit and grace was in him and to pay court to his temporary fair one in the most obliging manner since he might depend on having a sufficient store of complaisance for one week at least we had scarcely settled down when instead of thanking our orator we reproached him for having kept to himself the best part of his speech the conclusion he therefore protested that the best part of a speech was persuasion and that he who did not aim at persuasion should make no speech for as to conviction that was a ticklish business as however they gave him no peace he began a capuchinade on the spot more comical than ever perhaps for the very reason that he took it into his head to speak on the most serious subjects for with texts out of the bible which had nothing to do with the business with similes which did not fit with allusions which illustrated nothing he carried out the proposition that whosoever does not know how to conceal his passions inclinations wishes purposes and plans will come to no good in the world but will be disturbed and made a butt in every end and corner and that especially if one should be happy in love one must take pains to keep it a most profound secret this thought ran through the whole without properly speaking a single word of it being said if you would form a conception of this singular man let it be considered that being born with a good foundation he had cultivated his talents and especially his acuteness in jesuit schools and had amassed an extensive knowledge of the world and of men but only on the bad side he was some two-and-twenty years old and would gladly have made me a proselyte to his contempt for mankind but this would not take with me as i always had a great desire to be good myself and to find good in others meanwhile i was by him made attentive to many things to complete the dramatis personae of every merry company an actor is necessary who feels pleasure when the others to enliven many an indifferent moment point the arrows of their wit at him if he is not merely a stuffed saracen like those on whom the knights used to practise their lances in mock battles but understands himself how to skirmish to rally and to challenge how to wound lightly and recover himself again and while he seems to expose himself to give others a thrust home nothing more agreeable can be found such a man we possessed in our friend horn whose name to begin with gave occasion for all sorts of jokes and who on account of his small figure was called nothing but hernchen little horn he was in fact the smallest in the company 
of a stout but pleasing form a pug nose a mouth somewhat pouting little sparkling eyes made up a swarthy countenance which always seemed to invite laughter his little compact skull was thickly covered with curly black hair his beard was prematurely blue and he would have liked to let it grow that as a comic mask he might always keep the company laughing for the rest he was neat and nimble but insisted that he had bandy legs which everybody granted since he was bent on having it so but about which many a joke arose for since he was in request as a very good dancer he reckoned it among the peculiarities of the fair sex that they always liked to see bandy legs on the floor his cheerfulness was indestructible and his presence at every meeting indispensable we two kept more together because he was to follow me to the university and he well deserves that i should mention him with all honour as he adhered to me for many years with infinite love faithfulness and patience by my ease in rhyming and in winning from common objects a poetical side he had allowed himself to be seduced into similar labours our little social excursions parties of pleasure and the contingencies that occurred in them we decked out poetically and thus by the description of an event a new event always arose but as such social jests commonly degenerate into personal ridicule and my friend horn with his burlesque representations did not always keep within proper bounds many a misunderstanding arose which however could soon be softened down and effaced thus also he tried his skill in a species of poetry which was then very much the order of the day the comic heroical poem pope's rape of the lock had called forth many imitations zachariah cultivated this branch of poetry on german soil and it pleased every one because the ordinary subject of it was some awkward fellow of whom the genii made game while they favoured the better one although it is no wonder yet it excites wonderment when contemplating a literature especially the german one observes how a whole nation cannot get free from a subject which has been once given and happily treated in a certain form but will have it repeated in every manner until at last the original itself is covered up and stifled by the heaps of imitations the heroic poem of my friend was a voucher for this remark at a great sledging party an awkward man has assigned to him a lady who does not like him comically enough there befalls him one after another every accident that can happen on such an occasion until at last as he is entreating for the sledge driver's right a kiss he falls from the back seat for just then as was natural the fates tripped him up the fair one seizes the reins and drives home alone where a favoured friend receives her and triumphs over his presumptuous rival as to the rest it was very prettily contrived that the four different kinds of spirits should worry him in turn till at the end the gnomes 
hoist him completely out of the saddle the poem written in alexandrines and founded on a true story highly delighted our little public and we were convinced that it could well be compared with the Walpurgis night of Leuven, or the renomist of Zachariah. Footnote, this word, which signifies something like our bully, is specially used to designate a fighting student translator. While now our social pleasures required but an evening, and the preparations for them only a few hours, I had enough time to read, and, as I thought, to study. To please my father, I diligently repeated the smaller work of Hop, and could stand an examination in it forward and backwards, by which means I made myself complete master of the chief contents of the institutes. But a restless eagerness for knowledge urged me farther. I lighted upon the history of ancient literature, and from that fell into an encyclopedism in which I hastily read Gessner's Isigoji and Mohop's Polyhistor, and thus gained a general notion of how many strange things might have happened in learning and life. By this persevering and rapid industry, continued day and night, I became more confused than instructed, but I lost myself in a still greater labyrinth when I found Bale in my father's library, and plunged deeply into this work. But a leading conviction which was continually revived within me was that of the importance of the ancient tongues, since from amidst this literary hurly-burly thus much continually forced itself upon me that in them were preserved all the models of oratory and at the same time everything else of worth that the world has ever possessed. Hebrew, together with biblical studies, had retired into the background, and Greek likewise, since my acquaintance with it did not extend beyond the New Testament. I therefore the more zealously kept to Latin, the masterpieces in which lie nearer to us, and which, besides its splendid original productions, offers us the other wealth of all ages in translations, and the works of the greatest scholars. I consequently read much in this language with great ease, and was bold enough to believe I understood the authors because I missed nothing of the literal sense. Indeed, I was very indignant when I heard that Grotius had insolently declared he did not read Terence as boys do. Happy narrow-mindedness of youth, nay, of men in general, that they can at every moment of their existence fancy themselves finished and inquire after neither the true nor the false, after neither the high nor the deep, but merely after that which is suited to them. I had thus learned Latin, like German, French, and English, merely by practice, without rules and without comprehension. Whoever knows the then condition of scholastic instruction will not think it strange that I skipped grammar as well as rhetoric all seemed to me to come together naturally. I retained the words, their forms and inflections in my ear and mind, 
and used the language with ease in writing and in chattering. End of section 20.